Good morning again. If you turn in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 1, once again, we'll be in Matthew chapter 1 again today. Gospel of Matthew chapter number 1. Go to the end of the Old Testament and then you'll find Matthew. Matthew 1. You know, um, Ruth was mentioning, she read, she read about the trees and we, uh, we put the Christmas tree up. And trees are really significant. This is not, that has nothing to do with the sermon. This is totally free, okay? So um, uh, trees are really interesting when you look at them in Scripture. Uh, even from the very first uh, in, in the Garden of Eden, there was two trees, right? There was the tree of life. There was also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of knowledge of good and evil brought death, right? When, when um, Adam and Eve took the fruit from the tree, they died. They died spiritually. They were separated from God. But there was also the tree of life, right, which gave people life. And so there's always this tension in Scripture between the two trees. And, you know, Ruth was talking about the, the trees and what they were, you know, made into, which, of course, is a fictional story, probably. Um, but, you know, we have the tree that was really kind of both, that was death for Jesus, but ultimately brings us life, right? And the, the tree that was, that was made into a cross. And there's actually some evidence that, you know, it could have been a, a, a tree that he was nailed on. You know, that's what the, the wording is. Don't know, we, we, most of the stuff we know about crucifixions we know from Scripture uh, rather than history. But, um, you know, Jesus was nailed onto a tree, and brought death. But there's also the tree of life that it says we take of, um, you know, and live forever. And uh, that's, that's throughout Scripture as well. It's from in Genesis. It's also in Ezekiel. It's in Revelation. And, you know, we, uh, we, we took out the cross for this point and, and put up a Christmas tree, which this one's going to be forever green. But it's, um, it's normally it's an evergreen tree. You know that it's it's always it's kind of always alive, right? It's uh, it's always it, it doesn't have like Ruth was talking about the um, the maples where it, it it's beautiful and green and then it's red and then it's just dead and beautiful and green and red and dead. Well, the evergreen is always alive, and it's really kind of this this idea that you know even as Jesus was dead on a cross, right? That also there is the I- idea in Scripture that. There is this tree that is always alive and always bearing fruit that we get to take of that too. So when you look at the Christmas tree, you know, think about that, that there is an, an always alive, the tree of life that we also are meant to take of and live forever. So it's this, this always this tension, always the tension of we, Jesus died so that we can have life, but there's also the tree of life. So um, as we remember Jesus' birth, let's remember that he's also, not only did he die on a cross and become a curse for us, and we talked about that in Scripture, but he's also the tree of life, a representative of the tree of life that we get to partake of and live forever. Cool? So um, let's, uh, let's pray before we get into uh, Matthew 1. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus more than anything. Lord, thank you that um, Jesus 
came to be like us. And he didn't come, he came as a king, but he, he, didn't, he wasn't born in a palace. Though he, he came as the son of, of the one who created everything, you, you put him in a manger to what we would see as a, a poor family. He became everything in every way like us except without sin. That you could in turn give us the opportunity to become just like you without being God. Lord, thank you. Pray that you will open your word to us this morning and let us hear from you. Help us to... um, Help us to be more like you. In some way this morning, with each one of us, help us to become just another step more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So again in Matthew 1, I'm going to read a little bit of this to you. I'm going to read the first verse, and I'm going to jump jump down into um, into verse 6. So, the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse 6 says, David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, Joram the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amon, and Amon the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abihud, and Abihud the father of Eliakim. Eliakim the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok the father of Hakim. And Achim the father of Eliad. Eliad was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar the father of Mathan. Mathan the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ, or the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. From the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Have you all ever inherited anything? I, um, you know, I I inherited from my my grandfather. And one of the things... uh, it's very precious to me that I inherited. I'm wearing his watch today. Um, when you, uh, when I when I look on the back of it, it says um, John B. Knight, June first, nineteen seventy nine, has the IBM symbol in the middle, and it's a quarter century club. He worked for IBM for over twenty five years. 
and uh, they gave him a, a watch, and and that's something that I got from him. You know, I I, I got that the, this watch not really because of anything I did, but because of who I was. I was I'm his grandson. I remember um, I was really close to my grandfather. We um, did a lot together. We were very similar, had similar um, personalities. Um, I remember uh, so many of the holidays we spent over at, at their house, going over and having a big uh, Thanksgiving or spending the night on Christmas Eve and uh, doing a big Christmas breakfast in the morning, opening presents around the Christmas tree. Or... Uh, spending time with him personally and getting into his late models, uh, his seventy late seventies model pickup truck, Chevy pickup truck, and going around and uh, we'd go to to gun shows and and look at all the wares there, or um, just spending time with him, um, doing grandfather grandson things. But it was because of my family relation. Not everybody had that relationship with my grandfather. It was because I was his grandson and he was my grandpa that we had the relationship. And that is also how I became an heir. It wasn't because he was just a good guy and we were friends. We were, I was an heir and because of the relationship that he and my and my grandmother had my mom, and my mom and my dad had me. And in that way, we had that relationship about inheritance. And have you all ever inherited anything? With um, with Jesus, we talked about uh, Abraham last week. And we talked about the line that Jesus was in, Ab- in Abraham's lineage and some of the different uh, people we had uh, in that lineage. And we talked about the faith of Abraham. One thing I, one thing I did not mention is uh, one of the covenants that, that God had with Abraham was not just about faith, but it was about the land. It was about the land. And we, and we see in, in Romans what it says is that, that he became heir of the world. Now we're going to look a little bit more at another group. So kind of in Matthew's interpretation here, the two huge people in the line of Jesus is Abraham and David. Abraham was was the one who kind of started the the family, if you will. It was was the family of Abraham. Remember, Abraham, I said last week, wasn't a Jew. He was was a, a Chaldean. But out of Abraham came the family of, of Israel. You know, Jacob had the 12 sons, and the 12 sons had more kids and, and became Israel uh, and became the, the Jewish um, family group. But then in that line, we have David. David is a uh, family um, in, from Judah. And what happens is God comes to David and gives him a promise. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But what I want, uh, one thing I need to explain, just a little bit of the history first. Um, you have the family of Judah, and uh, even back with Jacob, Judah was given the promise that the 
line of kings would come from Judah. Now, does anybody remember who the first king of Israel was? Saul? Right? You, you changed his name to Paul? Okay, just, I wanted to see if you were listening. So Saul was the first king of, of, of Israel, right? But does anybody remember what line, what family line he was from? Yeah, but what, what family from the... It was Benjamin, right? Remember, remember what family line I said we had the kings? Judah. So was Saul really the promised king of Israel? No. But then God would bring his man along. Out of what line? Thank you. Out of the line of Judah. Let me, um, let me show you this really quickly. <clears throat> Flip over to 2 Samuel chapter 7. I want you to have this in your arsenal here. Okay? 2 Samuel 7. Sometime, sometimes I, I just tell you stories, what, what's in Scripture, and, and give you the reference. Sometimes I want you to actually see it with your eyes. And hopefully it will go from your eyes to your heart so that you can, you can keep that in, in your heart. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Starting in verse 8, it says, now, <clears throat> excuse me, now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name, like the names of the great men who are on the earth. <clears throat> I will also appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them, that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again. Nor will, they, <clears throat> excuse me, nor will the wicked afflict them any more as formerly. Even from the day I, co- I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. <clears throat> When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant, your seed after you, who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He should build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. <clears throat> so if, there, if there's an inheritance for Jesus coming from David, what would it be? All right, well, let's let's look at it this way. In the um, with with the uh, some little bit more history, and then we'll get we'll go go a step deeper. Um, in Israel, what what you end up having is you end up with two kingdoms. Do you remember this? Um, you have uh, you have Saul, who's really kind of a, a, a United Kingdom. You have David with the United Kingdom. You have Solomon with the United Kingdom. After Solomon, the kingdom divides. 
You have the northern kingdom of Israel. You have the southern kingdom of Judah. Right? The northern kingdom is kind of like a lot of the worldly kingdoms that whoever knocked off the king became king. And uh, every once in a while you'd have a, a king that had you know two or three in his line that would become king after him. But generally it was um, a, a bloody kingdom, if you will, that whoever rose up to power and, and killed the king, he had become king, and then somebody else would kill the next guy and, and, and so forth. And that was the, king, the northern kingdom of Israel. The southern kingdom was more of a, um, a peaceful transition of power, what we're supposed to have here in this country. If you, if you think about um, like the House of Windsor in England, right? They, from one generation to the next, or maybe skip a generation, but it stays in the family, the next, uh, the next heir to the throne becomes the, the king or the queen um, who sits on the throne. And that's how it happened in the southern kingdom of Judah. Okay, it was, it was David who gave it to Solomon, who gave it to his son, who gave it to his son, who gave it to his son, all the way to, to get down to uh, the deportation. What, what, you, what you have happen is um, Hezekiah was a great king, and then he had Manasseh, who was... Um, an, just an awful, awful, terrible, bad king. And God said, that's enough. Enough is enough. I'm not dealing with it anymore. And a couple of kings later um, is when Babylon comes in and, and um, takes the southern kingdom of Judah. Okay? And after that, there is no king. There's no king that sits on the throne of David any longer. Now, what was the promise that we had to David? We just read in, in 2 Samuel 7. You have a king forever, right? But what happens um, with a deportation to Babylon? No king. But there's an heir. There's an heir. And what we have here, and this is why this is so important, so you know we look at we look at Matthew one and just we and we get to it and whenever you're reading your Bible for the year you get to Matthew one and just go <sighs> okay what does it say and then you get down to the very end anybody ever anybody else let me say this anybody else ever done that right but this is important because this is showing the heir that's why you have the ki- you know the kings of the, of the house of Windsor you know you have this is the whole lineage. You going back? How do you prove that you're the next one? You go, I'm in, I'm in line because this is my this is my dad and this is my granddad and this is my great granddad and this is why I have the right to this place because of all these names that went before me. And in God's providence, He's given us all the names. And to show, even if there was not a king on the throne after the deportation to Babylon, there is still. An heir going all the way down to Joseph. Now, flip over. We're going to take another step a little bit further. But flip over to Acts 2 with me. Acts 2.
Everybody got it? If you got it, say, I've got it. All right. You guys are good. <clears throat> Look at verse 34. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Um, actually, let me back up just a little bit. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, 29. I, I jumped ahead of myself. Uh, Verse 29, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet, and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to see one of his descendants on his throne. You got that? Did we just read that? He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he's poured forth this which you both see and hear. It was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, tell him, make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, Christ being the anointed one, the heir of the kingdom, this Jesus whom you crucified. So what what was the inheritance here that, that God is tracing back in the line of David down to Jesus? Come on. Like you said, the kingship, right? It's it's an inheritance of a kingdom. It's the inheritance of a king. Right? You know what's something really cool, though? Back in Matthew 1, look at this. Verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. Now, wait a second. Uh, You all, I'm, I'm sure you know the story, right? Everybody knows the Christmas story. We've got Joseph, who is supposedly the father of Jesus, right? Because we know that Mary was a virgin, right? You can't have a child when you've not been with a guy, right? Hello? But you've got Joseph, who you're in, he's got... Joseph's name in the line with Christ. So Jesus is Joseph's adopted son and still is in the line for the inheritance. It's something I didn't tell you. Most of you know, as I mentioned it before, I inherited from my grandfather. And in many, 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 many years from now, when my parents go to the presence of the Lord, hopefully no time soon at all, but I will inherit from them. But I'm adopted. Even though I was not blood-related directly to my grandfather, I inherited from him. 
even though I'm not blood-related to my parents, I inherit from them. Even though Jesus was not blood-related to Joseph, he's an inheritor. I want you to see this. Flip over to flip over to the book of Romans. Romans chapter number eight. Romans eight verse starting in verse sixteen. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So, we inherit the exact same things as Jesus. Now, that may be a little crazy to you. It's kind of like, it's kind of like this. Um, Ruth's family for, for generations has had family land up in Maine, which has been passed down and passed down and passed down. And now it's held jointly with... Ruth's brothers and sister. So the four of them hold this family land jointly. They're joint heirs of the family, of the, of the, of the um, land that has been passed down. So they, they all four have, you know, it's not divided up and you got this part and you got this part and you got this part. And you, no, it's, it's this, this plot and all four of them jointly have access to the whole plot. In the same way, we are joint heirs with Jesus. Everything that Jesus has, guess what? We have. We saw with, with Abraham uh, in Romans 4, you know what? Since we're right there in Romans anyway. Um, Romans 4.13. Just flip over a couple pages. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants, his seed, that he would be heir of the world was not through law but through the righteousness of faith. So what would, if you are a, a, a descendant of Abraham, what's your inheritance? The world. Boy, you guys are Quiet today? Come on. Yeah, I, I need to be able to hear you up here. They need to be able to hear you online. Okay? Thank you. All right. If Abraham, you inherit the world. With David, you inherit what? The kingdom. So Jesus, what you, what you have when you get Jesus to, to the point where he comes into the world and he's an heir of Abraham and he's an heir of David, he inherits the entire world and he rules over it. How can he rule over it? Well, he, he, he owns it. 
He owns it and he rules over it. And what's even more amazing is how do we become children of God? By adoption. Right? And we become joint heirs with Jesus. So everything that Jesus has, everything that he was given, everything that he has through Abraham, everything he has through David, that's ours. Now that might blow our minds a little bit. It's something really big to try to take in. I get it. But what do we need to do with it? And there's a few things that I think we really need to, to grab hold of this concept today. Number one, let it sink in. This is something that needs to sink into our minds and sink into our hearts and sink into our spirits. Because if, if we don't know about it, if we don't get it into our minds first, if we don't make it part of us, then we'll, we won't have access to it. It's kind of like um, the, you know, each state has... Uh, an account of for people who have not claimed inheritances. You know that, right? There's a, there's a big bank account in the state, and um, they have a list of, of people that have never claimed their inheritance, and it's just sitting there. And maybe you, maybe somebody in here has an inheritance someplace, and it's sitting in a bank account with the state that where it came from. It's yours, but if you don't ever actually go up to the to the state and say, "This is who I am." Then it's never it's you never you never have access to it, right? The same thing with the inheritance that we have in Christ. If you don't ever know about it, if you don't ever take hold of it, if you don't ever make you know put it in your head and then make make it part of your heart, the it's there. It's you have it, it's yours. But if you don't ever grab hold of it, you won't you won't ever use it. So first, that's just the first thing. You know, we need to make sure we're, we're understanding this. We need to make sure it's getting into our heart. But then, once it starts doing that, here the, the, the second is we really need to let this inform the way we look at our world. It's really easy to look at the world right now through a different set of glasses, Boy, especially in 2020. It's really easy to look at the world and say, boy, the world is just a mess. And at times it can be easy to say, just let the world go to the mess it's being. And I'm just going to have my little thing. I'm just gonna, I'm, I know I'm okay with Jesus, right? I'm just going to let the world be what the world's going to be, and I'm going to be okay, and, and then they can do their thing, and I'll do my thing. And um, none... You know, don't let the, the two mix, right? It's easy to do that. It's easy for us a lot of times to to the, to be. Um, well, the the old the old adage was you don't you don't shine the brass on a sinking ship, right? If it's if it's going down, let it go down and be rid of it. But what happens when you start looking at the world? through the idea of it's mine because I'm a joint heir with Christ. What happens when you start looking at the world as Jesus is the king of this and I am with him? All of a sudden you start saying, you know, it, it's, like, it's like 
when you when you have a house, right? When you walk into somebody else's house and the house is is a mess, you don't start picking everything up and cleaning it up and putting it away and and you know, well, some people might, but you, but you know, but your house, you, you you take care of it, right? If there if there's a if there's something broken, you fix it. If there's if there's a mess, you clean it up. You don't just you know leave everything to, to rot, okay? Because, because it's, it's your place and you're going to take hold of it. Well, what if you start looking at the world and this is our place? This is ours and I have a king that, 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 that cares about it. That's why the gospel is good news to the poor. Because there's a king who, who judges righteously and judges with, with, with justice. Right? So we start looking at the world differently. When we start looking at the world differently, it will also inform, it will also change um, how we start acting. See, see kind of where I'm going here? You've got to get into your, your mind and our hearts, and then it starts actually getting into our eyes of how we see things. And how that, that will actually let us start acting a different way. Number one, prayer. You know, it, prayer is where it starts. This should, this, should in, this should really change how we pray. You know, it's not, there, there's a tendency, it has been a tendency a lot of times for Christians to just, um, uh, to just say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to hold on until you come. Right, just 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 man the fort, and it doesn't. I'm just going to man the fort until you until you come, Lord. It, it's it's kind of like, I, I think of it like the scripture that says, um, uh, "The gates of hell shall not prevail against you." I've I've, I've mentioned this in here before, right? And, you know, he's talking to Jesus, talking to Peter, and says, "The gates of hell shall not prevail against you," right? How many of y'all have had a gate chase you? I haven't. Gates keep people out, right? The the gates of a city is to keep the, to protect the city. Well, you know what? No, the 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 kingdom of the the gates of Hades are trying to keep the kids of the kingdom out. Switch your mindset. It's not. I'm trying to keep hell from coming in. It's hell is trying to keep us out because they know it's ours. Right? They know the world belongs to us and they're trying to keep us from getting all of it. Talk about a mindset shift. So all of a sudden you're saying, hey, you know what? All those gates that are saying, no, we're going to keep, we're going to hold on to our territory. All of a sudden we say, no, you don't. Because the gates of hell shall, won't prevail against us. We're going to knock those down. We're going to go in we're going to claim it for the kingdom of God. We're going to see people come to know Jesus. We're going to see that place changed. And when we, when we come and we start praying to the Lord, this can inform our prayer. This, is how, this, is, uh, this should change the way we pray. It's not, oh, Lord, just, just give us strength to hang on. It's, oh, Lord, give us, our, our, give us this city. Let this city, let this town come to know you. Look, we're, we're not going we're not, we're not to be okay with drugs ran, running rampant all over our town. 
We're not going to be okay with the suicide rate going up. We're not, we're not okay with, with this place being uh, one of the, the, the lowest, in, um, the highest poverty level, the lowest income. We're not okay with this. Lord, give us, um, you know, let your kingdom come here in Willimantic or, or fill in the name of your town. Let your kingdom come here. You reign here, Lord. Let injustice be done away with. We're, gonna, we're going to declare that the, the uh, suicide rate will go down. We're going to declare that addiction is going to be broken. We're going to declare that, um, that crime rate is going to drop. We're going we're to go in and we're going to share the gospel. We're going to believe that people are going to come to know the Lord in droves. Why can we say that? Why can we pray those things? Because Jesus is on the throne. And because he's an heir of Abraham and of David. And he's given it to us. It can change the way we pray. It can change the way we act. When you've been given something, when you've inherited something, it's yours to be able to, um, to do with. I remember uh, um, a couple of Christmases ago, we went, we went to Oklahoma. And uh, another one of the things that I, I re- received as an inheritance from my grandfather um, were some guns. And it was a delight for me. I, 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 I went, you know what, I'm going to pick out my favorite. And I, my girls have never shot. They've, they've never shot um, a gun before. I said, I'm going to pick out my favorite that my, my grandfather taught me how to shoot on. And I'm going to have them learn the same with the same one. And it was, it was a delight for me to pass that down, you know, from my grandfather to me and from me to my kids to say, here, this is, this is um, something my grandfather gave to me, and now I'm going to show you the same thing that he showed me. I could do that because it was something that he gave to me for me to use and for me to pass along. And Jesus wants the same for us. He's given us these things for us to be able to, to, to use. Okay, He's given us this area for us to be able to go in and to, to declare his kingship over so that this area will be used for his kingdom rather than for something else. What would it look like if Willimannick all of a sudden was fully discipled for Jesus? There'd be a lot more, what is Paul's hand? would be a lot more calm. It'd be very, very, like, low, much lower of the drug activity, much lower of the homelessness. You know, You're exactly right. We would have more businesses running and. You know, we have more Got it. He's got it. Is it possible? You bet. You bet it is. You bet it is. We're going to be, in, you know, next year, one of the things I want to do is I want to do... Um, a whole series on faith. Because 
it, it's, it's, we're gonna, we need to prepare for this harvest. And part of that is being prepared. Part of that is, is raising our faith level up so that these things that I'm talking about, about that, we are, that this area can be fully discipled, this area can change, this area can, can be something, something that the kingdom of God can use as a, as a force um, all over this, this um, state. It's time to raise our level of faith up, to believe that God can, and if we, if we take hold of it, he will. If we take hold of the inheritance that he's given to us, that he'll change this area. But it's going to take us understanding, changing our heart, changing our mind, letting it change the way we pray, and letting it change the way we act. Because the action will follow that. If we, if we believe it's possible, we're going to get out there and we're going to share the gospel. If we believe it's possible, we're going to, we're going to um, you know, gonna, like it's, we were talking about last week, we're going to take those people under our wings and say, look, just one. I'm going to take one this year. Maybe that's, I'm going to make sure and bring one person extra to church with me. Maybe it's, I'm going to mentor one person. Maybe it's, I'm going to share the gospel until I get one person saved. I, uh, I've got a friend of mine um, when, when he would get, uh, um, he, he, the, he said, you know, the devil would really bother him about this, that, and the other, and he'd, he'd say, look, devil, if you don't quit, I'm going to go down to the mall, and I'm not going to stop sharing the gospel until at least I get, until one person gets saved. And he said, all, all of a sudden, the quits, because he knew it was serious. What if we had that attitude? I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to share the gospel until at least one person gets saved. Right? Change our, our attitudes, change our thinking, change our actions. I'm going to keep praying until I see the addictions go down. I'm going to pray until the suicides go down. I'm going to find a, a way to get out there and I'm going to open, open the doors up and we're going to minister to people. We're going to, we, what if we open the doors and said, look, people need jobs. Let's, let's help people get jobs by just showing them how to write a resume, show them how to, um, show them how to dress for an interview, show them... Talk to them about how do you take an interview? How, how, do you, what, how do you answer the questions? What do you come prepared with? Your heart, your thinking, your prayers, your actions. Why? Because Jesus is the son of David. He's the son of Abraham. And you are joint heirs with him. Let's pray. Lord, more than anything, once again, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's no way we can ever thank you enough for sending Jesus, the King of the world. There's no way we can thank you enough, Lord Jesus, for being willing to leave everything and to come down here and to live like us. 
Thank you. Lord, there is no way that we can ever be worthy enough for you. We know that Jesus died so that we could we could um, have that relationship whether we're worthy for it or not. But Lord, help us to live like we are worthy. Help us to live like the heirs that we are. Help us to live like your sons and daughters, like king's kids. like the royalty that you have made us to be. Not to lord over, but to serve well, knowing that, that, you, um, that your plan is for peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Your, your plan is that, that your kingdom will extend over all the earth as the waters cover the seas. Use us. Lord, I continue to just speak a blessing over each person here, over everyone that's, that's watching or listening over the computer. Lord, we, we go out into a world full of mess every time we set foot out of our door. Lord, I bless each person here today with the authority and the blessing of the kingship of the Lord Jesus. That as we go outside our doors, we will be surrounded by kingdom glory that nothing would be able to come near us to harm us, to hurt us in any way. That we will walk out as, as ambassadors for your kingdom, living under your kingdom rules and your kingdom natural, supernatural laws, not bound to the, the, to this, to the natural laws of this world under the supernatural laws of your kingdom. Let us be surrounded. Each one of us be surrounded by that every time we walk out of the house. And Lord, as as I've been praying recently, Lord, bring people to us to bring into our bubble, to bring into your kingdom, to to bring into your glory, to be to bring into, to touch you in some way. Bring him to us, Lord. Bring the sick to us for that we, that we can lay our hands on and see him recover. 
bring those sick in, in, in spirit, sick in heart, that we can see them transformed by the power of the gospel. Bring us those who desperately, desperately need you. Bring us the addicted. Bring us the ones who are, um, that, that have no hope. Lord, send them and make us ready to give your gospel, your hope, your salvation, your healing to all those who need it. So that your kingdom would spread and your, you would receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. God bless you guys.